Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... If you're struggling now while things are going relatively good in your life, what will happen when things get really hard? I mean, really, really hard. You know, we like to say, well, it can't get any worse than this. Oh, yes, it can. It can get a lot worse than this, particularly in the United States. God has truly shed His grace on us. We are so much richer than the rest of the world, separated from so many of the world's problems by this ocean that seems to be getting smaller and smaller and smaller. All it takes is something like what happened in the Great Depression. Today's message from Pastor Jim challenges believers to examine how they function within the church. As you take an honest look, do you find that you serve willingly and faithfully? Or do you just fill a pew and leave the work for the paid staff? The body is made up of unique individuals that should interact with one another in a unified effort to fill needs as they arise. God's given you the means, and whether your contribution is practical, prayerful, or professional, you need to obediently follow through. Now let's open our Bibles to the book of Philippians chapter 1 verse 3 as we join Pastor Jim for part one of his message entitled, Joyful Fellowship. We'll have more information about the church and how you can get a copy of today's message, but for now, here's Pastor Jim. Well, it's always nice to hear from someone that you've been faithful especially when someone says that you have been faithful over a long period of time. Not that you just did an isolated good job, but when someone can look at your life and say, as I've observed, as I've studied the pattern of your life, you are clearly a faithful person. Now, to be faithful is easy enough to do for a short season, but it's, in, it's impossible to keep a faithful heart. It's impossible to keep faithful actions going for many years without joy. Joy in God is something that fuels the Christian and part of what we do here on Sundays, part of what I hope most of you are developing a daily habit of doing is refueling your system with the joy of the Lord as you consider the wonderful things that God has done for you. And if you think it's hard for an individual to keep joy, it's even harder for a church. We have entered into a new season of church in America. We have entered into, and no matter where you go in the country, who you study under, who you want to talk to, we have entered into a season of lukewarmness. The church is, by and large, very lukewarm. People are not engaged in ministry, in gospel, in things as they were before. And for a church to continue to operate in a spirit or a period of lukewarmness is very, very difficult. And the only way it can happen is when people engage in what we're going to talk about this morning, joyful fellowship. Now, as we're going to see, fellowship is not coffee after service. (laughs) And it can be, but it's not that. Fellowship is not, hey, I'm having my friend over. You know, we're going to order a pepperoni pizza and we're going to watch baseball. That is not fellowship. It can be fellowship, but it's not fellowship. The epistles, the letters of the New Testament, beginning at the book of Romans, 
give us what we would call ways of faith and practice in the church. How we as the church are to believe and how we are to practice. And fellowship is really the people of God committed to the cause of Jesus Christ. It is reaching unbelieving people with the message of the gospel. And then it is all of us coming to the place of maturity in the gospel and in the things of God. But it is the people of God pursuing the things of God together. We're Americans. We have to be careful of this. We'll talk about this in a little bit as we tend to view our faith through the lens of our own independent ways of thinking. Now, the church in Philippi was founded about 10 years earlier than this letter was written. We talked about this last week. And uh, it was part of the Roman Empire. And Philippi was a tough place to serve the Lord. Guess what? Every place is a tough place to serve the Lord. It wasn't tough. You wouldn't need the Holy Spirit. Now, we have some unique challenges in the Northeast, and being from more central Jersey, we have some unique challenges in the Northwest corner. Uh, People call us the dead zone. So anyway, it's kind of like having a a cell phone that works, and all of a sudden you drive into Northwest New Jersey, and you're like, what happened? What happened? That's that's sort of our reputation, but we we can turn that around. I'm not that doesn't really bother me as, the Lord, as long as the Lord is in it. And as we'll talk about today, as people are willing, there's no reason we shouldn't think that the Lord would not want to uh, turn it around. So, so Philippi was a tough place to minister. Now you say, well, but hold on there, Pastor Jim. They had, they had the Apostle Paul. Actually, he was barely there. And, and so they couldn't complain, well, where's the pastor? He's not helping us out. They're, they're faithful, even though he's not there. We have two recorded visits of him. And now he is in jail, or probably under house arrest. Now, we know that one thing about the the churches in Macedonia, where Philippi was located, 2 Corinthians 8 tells us that they were poor, but they were generous. And then we're told why they were generous, not because they they had felt guilty about it, but they saw the grace of God. Titus said, that uh, Paul wrote to Titus, that it's the grace of God that teaches us to say no to ungodliness. I find a lot of people this day and age, they talk about grace a lot, but they know almost absolutely nothing about it because they think of grace as just this cheesy forgiveness. Well, you know, I am the way I am. I can do what I want. God will forgive me. It doesn't really matter. Or other people sort of, you know, bearing up by their bootstraps. I got to try harder. I got to do it. And I don't really need God's help to do it at all. But that's not what it is. Grace is, is God's costly, devoted love to his children. It is the forgiveness of sin, but it's also the power to, to live a life of godliness And so they were generous because they saw the grace of God. They saw Jesus Christ on the cross and they said, he was poor yet he was generous. He was poor yet he gave his life. And we're poor, how could we not give of our lives so the good news could be uh, sent around the Roman Empire? And so now their, their founder is under arrest and they have sent a gift via messenger to him. And we continue with his thank you letter that he writes back to this church. Verse three, he says, I thank My God, we'll come back to that in a second, upon every remembrance of you. Some scholars think that the translation is reversed, that I thank God for your thoughtfulness of me, but it doesn't make a difference because they're thankful for each other. How important that a church, that the leadership is thankful for the people and the people are thankful for the leadership. Verse four, he says, I'm always in every prayer of mine making requests for you all with joy, with joy. So what's he saying? He's saying, listen, When I sit in jail, now some people want to say, whoa, 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 wait a minute. It might have been house arrest. He had visitors coming. It wouldn't be that bad. All I say to you is, what's it like without a car for a day? 
okay? You feel like a prisoner. Oh, I can't go anywhere. I don't have a car. You know, you might not even get in your car. You just like the freedom of having your car, right? And so there he is. He is sitting there. He is confined. He can't go anywhere. He says, when I'm sitting here in confinement and when I think about your church, Philippians, I pray with joy because I know you're okay. I know you're not a total mess. I know that you're doing your best with the help of God's spirit to follow after God. Now, you parents know all about this, don't you? I remember my father saying to me that how he was, had such peace and such joy knowing when I got older that I was able to work and make a living and take care of my family. That he, he wouldn't have to worry about it. And that this is this kind of a joy. And so here, the spiritual father of the church at Philippi prayed with joy for the people of the church. Now that might seem to you and I to be a very basic thing, but analyze your prayers. How often do you really pray for people? Or do you tend to pray more for the constant projects and problems that life is throwing at you? Do you tend to pray more just for yourself? Or do you pray for people? And the apostle prayed for this people most likely by name, probably not a big church because he loved them. Did they have needs? Of course they had needs. Every church has needs. But the apostle was confident in this, as we're gonna see, that they were pressing on in faith together. That they were, there was a united thing about them. They weren't a bunch of cowboy Christians doing their own thing. They were united in the cause of the gospel. The Apostle John wrote this in 3 John. He said, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. How amazing that the apostles would go out, plant churches. Remember we said last week they were church planters, plant churches, and then the joy would not be in the size of the church, the size of the building, all the different activities and ministries that might be going on, but the joy was in their unity. The joy was in them focusing on the things of the faith, The joy was them hanging in it, as we're going to see, for the long haul in the things of God. The Apostle Paul, as I study his life, had so many admirable qualities. It's, It's actually a little daunting at times to study about him because he was deeply theological, deeply theological. He had a mind, even the Apostle Peter, I find great comfort. It says, Our brother Paul writes many things that are confusing. I'm really thankful for that verse because sometimes I read it and I'm like, what is he talking about? And so he's deeply theological and he was also, he was deeply relational. He not only had the mind of Christ, he had the relations of Christ. He, He actually was with people. He took people with him. He enjoyed being with people. So he, he probably didn't have a lot of free time on his hands, although he had another job too. We also know this about him, he was, he was tough, he was not a quitter. He hung in there even when it seemed like things were not going very well. He was not by any stretch of the imagination what we would call a lukewarm Christian. And he was 100% committed to the mission of the church, even giving his life to it. Now when we go further along in the letter in the weeks to come, we're going we're gonna to see that it, it appears that there's there's, there's some sadness in the Philippian church, perhaps because Paul is under arrest and nobody can really figure out why. You're like, all he did was tell people about Jesus. Why would anybody arrest anybody for that? It appears to be some hardship that's going on 
in the Philippian church. When, when Paul came there, Christianity was relatively new, but now 10 years into it, there's been some opposition to it, and maybe they're facing some of that opposition. But what's the biggest opposition after 10 years of being at church? It's becoming lukewarm, isn't it? It's being not so excited about the things of God like we once were. It's starting to lose your joy in serving. And I'm wondering that that was beginning to happen to the Philippian church. You see, we all may have to learn a very, very tough principle of ministry. And this is it, that if you're unwilling to serve God in imperfect situations, you may just be unwilling to serve God. You see, it wasn't perfect in Philippi. It wasn't perfect in Rome, where the Apostle Paul probably is now. It will never be perfect here. Honestly, friends, I don't want it to be perfect here. I've always told a few of you, I could go for a little more messiness. I could go for a little bit more of people coming in and being so radically transformed that we don't even know what to do with them. Like, what do we do with these people? They're so on fire for God. Remember, I picked on the people last week who say, oh, it won't last. I hope it lasts forever. I hope that they continue to be on fire for the Lord. So what is the apostle teaching them? Because he's one of these guys. It is. He's been on fire the entire time. He's teaching them that joy is an attitude of the heart towards God. It's not about what's going on in the midst of everything in life. It's not about my circumstances. Here's a guy sitting there. I'm under arrest. You know what? I could die. They could chop my head off. I could be in here the rest of my life. I could be freed. I don't really know. But you know what? Look what he says right here. I thank my God. No matter what happens, he's saying, he's my God. If I have nothing, he's my God. If I'm in jail, he's my God. If they torture me, he's my God. If I get to go out and continue to preach until my last breath, he says, he's my God. And this is so important for us, friends, because here's this thing. If you're struggling now while things are going relatively good in your life, what will happen when things get really hard? I mean, really, really hard. You know, we like to say, well, it can't get any worse than this. Oh, yes, it can. It can get a lot worse than this. And particularly in the United States, God has truly shed his grace on us. We are so much richer than the rest of the world, separated from so many of the world's problems by this ocean that seems to be getting smaller and smaller and smaller. All it takes is something like what happened in the Great Depression, some great big thing that's going on. Even for Christians, it's getting harder and harder and harder to live for God as people are caring less and less. And when things go bad, what's going to happen to us? If we're struggling when things are going relatively okay, what's going to happen when things get really bad? So this joy that he has in, here in verse 3 and verse 4, is it, is it just some cheesy Hallmark card? You know, like, ah, you know, I just, you know, you're the greatest. And, did you ever read the cards? I'm sometimes, I, sometimes I go and I'm like, nobody could live up to these cards. <laughs> it's absolutely ridiculous. Is this some, you know, I believe in you gobbledygook? It's just some, some sentimental stuff and figuring like, well, you're not like the Corinthians. They're just a pain in the neck and, you know, you're relatively good. No, he actually tells us in verse five why he's joyful. And look what he says. He says, I'm joyful for your fellowship. Most versions say partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. That's why he's excited, for their partnership in the gospel. Contemporary English version, not one that I'm prone to be reading much, but sometimes I do read it, put it this way. It says, this is because you have taken part with me in spreading the good news from the first day you heard about it. So what he's thankful for is it's been 10 years since he founded the church. And what 
did the Philippians church start doing immediately after coming to Christ, after coming to faith? They started proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. And Paul says, I'm thankful now, 10 years later, you're still doing it. I know you might not think much is happening. I know you might feel like you're not changing as fast as you want to. But he says, I'm so thankful that this is what is going on. Now, the New Testament is very clear, and this is very sad. Please don't think that everybody who came to the Philippian church stayed at the Philippian church. Because the Bible is very clear that there will be many people who will come into a church and then they will leave. And strangely enough, as maybe sad enough for all of us, it is often the most excited people who leave the quickest. Because for them, it had become a, some sort of a shallow experience or maybe even an emotional experience. Or perhaps they spent their whole life destroying their life, setting themselves up with all kinds of problems, dysfunction, and difficulty, and two sermons didn't fix it. <laughs> Not realizing that what God does is God saves people immediately. When you put your faith in His Son, He will save you immediately. But the sanctification process, the process of becoming more like Christ, takes a lifetime. And sometimes some of the problems that we have inherited before becoming Christians, God does not rescue us from. Why? Because he needs to let us taste the consequences of our sin. So we stay close to him. But others stayed. They did the work of the ministry. What does that mean? What does that mean? Does that mean they were professional staff people? Not by any stretch of the imagination. It means they made time and financial sacrifices for the gospel. That's simply what they did. Now this is easy to see in the eyes and the hearts of other people, but it's hard to accept about ourselves. Our love for the good news, our love for the gospel, our love for Jesus Christ can be measured by the sacrifices we make to help it move forward. We can say we love God. We can say we love the things of God, but it's so good for all of us to, to take an inventory of do we really make sacrifices for the things of God? And if we don't, rather than feel guilty, come to the cross and say, Lord, would you please show me your cost to sacrifice for me? And then instead of responding out of guilt, it won't last. You begin to respond out of gratitude. And that is a joyful fire that will burn your soul until you breathe your last. This love, this sacrifice is evidenced by our, our yielding the drawing power of God to the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, it will look different in all of our lives. You know, it will look different in the life of a single mom than trying to raise her kids. That is her sacrifice. That is what she is doing. But to others who have more time, who have more perhaps disposable income, if they're not wasting their money on frivolous things, it will look very different. And so we have to take an honest assessment of our lives. Are we sacrificing for the kingdom of God you see, we're all called to sacrifice. Last week, we talked about leaders in a church, and I'm going to have to tell you that, that part of this lukewarmness that is going through the church is everybody you talk to across denominations, across everything, the big thing that they're saying is there's no leaders. There's no leaders. What is a leader in a church? It's a man or a woman called to sacrifice for the gospel. Now you say, okay, that's fine. I'm up for that until we tell you where the sacrifice is. The sacrifice, more often than not, is going to be in your job. 
It means that you're probably not going to get the promotion. It means you're probably going to have to, at times, turn down the overtime. It means that you're probably going to have to just forego maybe some of the, the raises and things because you know that God has called you to be a leader in the church. Christian leadership is, is a life of, of leading in sacrifice. It is a life of loving in sacrifice. It is a life of leading the people of God, not being over the people of God. Remember, we say all the time, this is a pulpit, and we have up here a Bible. Why is that significant? Because the Bible is over the people of God, not me. I hesitate so often when people talking about how I'm the pastor and people have to be submissive to me. It really makes me feel a little weird because I'm not the authority. The authority is the word of God. The authority is the ministry, not the people leading the ministry. We all exist under a ministry. You came in here today, if you brought a coffee with you, you came in with a lid on your coffee. When I come in here with a coffee, I come in here with a lid on my coffee. Am I just being a good example? No, I am under the authority of the cleaning ministry. Okay, I am under their authority. And that is what they have determined in order to best keep our church clean and you awake is the best way that we can allow to have people come into church and they can bring coffee in with a lid. No one person has the authority. Jesus is the authority, but the ministry has the authority. In the Bible, sometimes we have to deal with difficult situations with people who are living completely contrary to the gospel. I don't have the authority. The ministry has the authority. The word of God has the authority. Sometimes you come to me and you ask me about a different ministry and why do I have to park here and why do I have to do there? And I say, you need to talk to those guys. Why? Because I don't want to talk to you about it? Well, that's part of it. But to be honest with you, the real reason is because we all need to exist under the authority of the ministry. This stuff about one person being over another person is kind of dumb, but the reality is we're under the authority of the word of God. And so today, the church is crying out for these kind of leaders, people who are willing to make those sacrifices. And with the economics of the church in America today, the future is very, it's crystal clear, unpaid lay leaders, people who are willing to give of time and of money for the gospel. And the lack of them is going to cost the gospel in the United States dearly dearly. So you might say, well, what what is this gospel? Well, the gospel is simply the good news of what God has done for sinners in the person of Jesus Christ. Notice what I said, what God has done for sinners, not what you and I have done. So often people will say things like, listen, I said, you'll say to them, well, why do you think you're going to go to heaven? And they go, because I'm a good person. That is anti-gospel. That is anti-gospel. You know, sometimes people come here and they have various kinds of issues. They're like, you know, I'm, uh, this is wrong with me, that's wrong with me. Uh, you know, I, I struggle with this, I struggle with that. And why would, in the world would God ever want me? And I always say to people like that, which might sound really weird, like, so I'm really happy for you. And they're like, you're happy I'm on drugs? You're happy that, you know, I've been in jail? You're happy for this and that? I always say to them, no, I'm not happy for that. I'm happy that you see you're broken. I'm happy that you see there's something so very wrong with humanity. And I'm so happy that you see that there's something so very wrong with you. Now, now those people may be blinded by sin, 
but, but Christ can easily lift that blinder. But there's other people who come in touting their religious accomplishments. Oh, this is what I've done. This is who I am. Oh, that's a very, very serious blindness. Blinded by pride. God didn't send Jesus just for good people. He sent Jesus for all people. Because we all need a Savior. No excuse for sinning. But a reason to have a realistic assessment of ourselves. Well, that concludes the teaching portion of today's broadcast of Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Moores Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Join us next time as Pastor Jim continues teaching through the book of Philippians. You can learn more about Changed by Love and Pastor Jim by visiting our website. The web address is changedbyloveradio.com. Again, the web address is www.changedbyloveradio.com. Changed by Love exists because of the generous donations of our listeners, and we would like to ask all of our listeners who have never written us to preferably consider writing us today and let us know that you are listening to the broadcast. In fact, many of your letters are read to our congregation to encourage them in this ministry. You can write to us at Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Once again, that's Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. You can also give us a call for more information, request resources, or for prayer at 973-659-3380. Once again, that's 973-659-3380. You can also send us an email to info at changedbyloveradio.com. If you are in the Morris County, New Jersey area, we would love to have you visit us. We are located in the center of Morris County on Route 15 South. That's all for today. Until next time, God bless you, and our prayer is that you too would be changed by love.